Hey, welcome today to the Revival Way podcast. I am your host, evangelist, Taylor Michael. Today we're going to pump you up full of the Word of God to get you delivered out of any work of the enemy and to get you empowered and activated to go out and build the kingdom of God with full faith and no hindrance in the mighty name of Jesus. Enjoy. Ah, Baga. You are awake. I am, dude. You didn't respond. I was convinced. I was like so convinced this was happening at 8 o'clock. And so I set an alarm for 3.30. And I had a nap. Like the best nap of my life. And I was like dreaming, dude. Like right now. I was was dreaming hard. Whew. And I came out of that dream to my alarm and to your call. I'm ready to go, bro. (laughs) Who has bewitched you? Oh, bro. Ah, It is blasphemy to call (laughs) the works of the Holy Ghost the devil. Not a Oh, my goodness. All right. Your your flesh must have scheduled this for eight, huh? Did, did, I didn't schedule this. Did you schedule this? Yeah, yeah, but you confirmed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I haven't even shared this on my story yet. Um. All right. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, let's let's share it. Hey, Bree, and I see Cade's on. <clears throat> Yo, for people hopping on, <clears throat> just so you know, as you've seen. This is our episode about how to never lose in life. Stephen is awakened from a slumber, so we'll take a moment to uh, regather. <laughs> and then it's going to be anointed. Amen. Have you had a good day? Oh, dude, I had such a good day. I slept hard. <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then I got up and I had an amazing quiet time. Um and then it was like when was it? I think one thirty and I was shattered. And so uh, I went back to bed. I was like, Lord, I don't know why I'm tired. So uh you say you give your beloved rest, so I'm gonna have a two hour nap. And it was weird, man. I've been reading Good Morning Holy Spirit. And so I felt I like I started going to sleep, but I, you know, in that, that state of being half asleep but awake still. Yeah. I felt like I just started having this conversation with Holy Spirit about so much. And it was great. But I clocked out, eh? Shucks. <laughs> he gives his beloved rest. Amen, dude. It's like Psalm 127. Mm. So cool. All right. Well, you were the one that, that came up with this title. Um, why did, why was that on your heart, actually? Because I, I want people to to have a basic principle as to what it is to live a victorious life. You know, you, you hear so many times in churches these days and with people that, I mean, if they even use scripture. Like, for example, I think about when we went to uh, 
a local college nearby. We won't we won't expose it and say its name, but it rhymes with with Boris Western. And when we were there for that that one night of worship, all the dude did was like talk nonsense. And then he like put up a scripture in the background and didn't even quote the scripture, didn't even read out of the Bible. Just just threw the scripture up. It was like second Corinthians or first Corinthians 13 or something like that, but didn't even quote it or anything on the screen. And I, I say all of this because people need to know that the Bible has potent words that will give you victory in every area of your life. The Bible is actually meant for you to succeed in all areas of your life. It's never, ever been to succeed. Man fails. God never fails. Man can lose. God never loses. But if we are in Christ and Christ is in God, then we know that the Bible is for us, not against us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So we can use the word to stand on the word and see victory in every area of our life. And I think that's what's been put on my heart because you hear so many watered-down sermons these days about why you can expect to lose in life, about why you can expect persecution, about why you can expect your kids to be hated when they go to school. And I, I genuinely think all of that stuff is a, a bunch of nonsense. It's lies from the pit of hell. Everybody, when they came in contact with Jesus, loved Jesus, except for the religious Pharisees. Everybody else loved him. He was the best friend, the nicest guy, the life of the party. And he healed all the sick. He set all the captives free. Jesus was the kind of guy people wanted to be around. And when you put the word of God to the test in your life and you stand on it, you will be that person that has the answers in life. Wow. Amen, dude. Amen. Are, you, are you awake now? Dude, I, I'm flowing. I've got so much to say. Hallelujah. Well, well, I'll just start us off then. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I want to read this quickly because I want to use examples in the Bible of people that linked up with God. And people that linked up with God they learned how to never lose in life. Now, were there challenges? Absolutely. There were challenges. There were things in life that caused setbacks and we, what we call backslidden seasons in people's lives. But the Lord always showed up and provide the answer, provided the answer out of those seasons. And so in Deuteronomy 30, it says here, starting in verse 11, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. It's not too hard to be plugged into life. Neither is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you can do it. So what God is saying here in Deuteronomy 30 is he's saying my words are in your heart and they're in your mouth. And when my words are in your heart and in your mouth, they bring life to every, every circumstance. Verse 15, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart runs away and you will not or then you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and then you will serve them. 
I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. So we see in life there's two ways that you can take, two directions you can go, two paths that are set before you in life. Number one, life and blessing, life and good. Number two, death and cursing. And you have these two paths, and the path that leads to life and life abundant is the word of God. And God makes it clear. He says, my word is in your heart, and it's in your mouth. And he says, by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord, your God, will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So an example of somebody that lived in God's blessings, lived in his commandments and stuck to his statutes would be number one, Abraham, and number two, Moses. And we see both of those lives. They did nothing but walk in in blessing other than (laughs) when Moses obviously acted out of anger and it caused him from taking possession of what was promised him. Sure. Yeah, so good. And I mean, it kept going even into Joshua. Joshua 1, it's all about that. You know, how can I not fail at anything? In everything that you touch, you're going to prosper. Just keep the word of God in in your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Do not turn to any other way. Psalm 1, same thing, you know. That's right. Do you want to read those? So, all right, it's my turn. Yeah, do you want to read Joshua 1 and Joshua or Psalm 1? Yeah, well, I, I can kind of quote it. So Joshua 1, um, when he says, now, I want you to meditate on these words, on this commandment, day and night. You shall not turn to them to the left or to the right, but fix straight on them. Then you will have good success. Then you will make your way prosperous. It's after you, you settle it in your spirit, in your mind, that the word of God is the final authority and say in your life that you're actually able to walk in it and therefore like do it and i mean that's one of my points which is james 1 25 which is talking all about don't be a hearer of the word only but a doer of the word and when you're a doer of the word you're blessed in all you do james 1 25 and that that's what that's it and you were then talking about the blessing of god deuteronomy 30 surely god will multiply you he's there to increase you he's there to to bring more of the glory of God out. That's why it's moved from glory to glory, victory to victory, breakthrough to breakthrough. Like it's just better, better, better. He takes you up and only up. That's the blessing of God. And and that was kind of what I was going to say, which is I think the reason people face a lot of failure in life is because of their belief system at the bottom. One, they probably don't believe that they can get out of sin. Even though Jesus died, even though they know they're forgiven, they don't believe they can get out of sin. Two, they believe they're constantly like fighting against the devil. Oh, the devil's just beating me up and it's it's so hard. No, that, that's so wrong. And when you think like that, that's what you aim for. And so, of course, that's what you're going to experience in life. But it's not right. One Jesus came and he died on the cross. The blood of Jesus was shed for our complete forgiveness and remissions of sin. And I'm just reading here in 1 John 3, it says this, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he, that's Christ, 
appeared in order to take away sins. So if you took it away, they're not there. And in him, there is no sin. And everyone loves to say, I am in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So there's no sin in me. Now, number six, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And I think why these two words are so deep is because who sees God? The pure in heart, right? Jesus taught that in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That means the power of God. You're going to see him in your life. You're going to experience him. So how do you get your heart pure? Well, I thought about uh, Psalms. Psalms, I think it's 119 verse 9. It says, how can a man or a woman keep his or her way pure? By guarding it according to the word of God. And so then you're going to see God show up in your life. But then this word know him is the same as how Adam knew Eve. You've got to know God intimately. You actually have to put time aside to simply rest and choose God over anything and everything else in your life. Because that actually shows you value him more than just an hour on a Sunday. That's called intimacy. And when you see and know him, when you're constantly uh, washing your heart in the word of God, that's purity. And then you're intimate with the Lord. You're soaked in his anointing. You're not going to walk in sin. And, and that awesome thing about that is you're then living holy. And that's beautiful. There's no spot or blemish in that. And it's all glory and honor to God because it's by the power of his spirit that you're even able to do that. So bit of a rant. There you go. Amen. <clears throat> no, it's amazing. And I think, yeah, I, I don't really need to add anything to that. That was very well said. <clears throat> so my next point that I want to make with how to guarantee that you never lose in life. And I want people to understand this. There's a difference between knowledge and revelation. There's a difference between information and revelation. So we can come on here and we can quote scripture we can read these to you and we can give you the information, but it has to become alive and active in your spirit the same way that it has for us. And when these scriptures become rhema, alive, active revelation in your heart and in your soul, then you will see it begin to come to pass in your life because you will have the same spirit of faith like the Bible says where you believe it in your heart and so you speak it with your mouth. But that only comes via revelation that's right the next revelation that i want these people to grasp but anyone listening to me right now i want you to grasp this in second corinthians chapter six it says here don't you know that you are the temple of the holy spirit it says what agreement has the temple of god with idols for we are the temple of the living god as god has said so what does it mean for us to be the temple of the living God. What does it mean that the spirit of almighty God lives and dwells, resides inside of us? I want to share a story with you from second Samuel chapter six. And when you see what it means from multiple different angles, this will open up your eyes to who it is that lives inside of you and what it causes around you. Second Samuel chapter six, starting in verse three. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahihu, the sons of Abinadab, <laughs> Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. 
and Ahio went before the ark. So the ark of the covenant carried the presence, the spirit of God, with the tablets that were given to Moses. Verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took a hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. And the the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had spoken out against Uzzah and placed his and that place is called Perizua to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So I want you to to realize the power of God that's living in the ark of the covenant. A man simply touched it without permission from God and he falls dead. Now, look at this. Verse 10. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed, Edom, the Gittite. Now listen to this. Look at what happens to this family in this town when the ark of God is residing in it. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed, Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed and all his household. And it was told King David, the Lord had blessed the household of Obed and all that belongs to him because because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who had bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Now, I want you to see this. This is not where the ark of the Lord was intended to rest. It was intended to rest in the city of David. But David was afraid of God, and he didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to come into his house because he was worried of death. But he found great joy when he found out that the Ark was put in Obed's house, and Obed's entire house, and all of his possessions, and everyone around him was blessed, extremely blessed, for the three months that it was there. So much so that David went and captured it, And brought it back to his city. Now, what does that show you? It shows you that the same spirit that was living in that ark lives in you, dwells in you. And it's being revealed through you, glory to glory, each day. It guarantees that wherever you go, whatever house you're in, whatever job you have, whatever circumstances come up in your life, you are guaranteed to win and to succeed because of who lives in you. The same way that the Spirit of God that dwelled in the ark blessed a house it wasn't even supposed to be in, you will bless houses that you don't even intend to be in. You will bless cities that you don't even intend to be in. You will bless nations that you never intended to be in. But because God lives in you, every place you go is guaranteed to prosper and have blessing. And you will not lose in life if that revelation becomes real to you today. Amen. I think it's it's also so cool because that became real to Paul in like in Timothy. It's it first Timothy three, verse sixteen says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys the temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So literally, j- just as that dude made an attempt to strike the temple and God struck him, so can you expect the same in your life because the spirit of God lives inside of you. You know, I think it That's kind absolutely. of it, it plays into something I love to talk about, which is us being a different breed. 
you have to understand that when you give your life to Jesus, you become a new creation. That's what the Bible says in Second Tim, uh, blah, 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 Second Corinthians five verse seventeen. It says, "Behold, all things ha- that are old have passed, and the new has come." You are a new creation. It means a new species. You're not like the rest of the world. The rest of the world cannot receive Holy Spirit, which is the power and presence of God, which brings the wisdom of God, which brings the counsel of God into your life. The rest of the world doesn't experience that. And so you have to understand you are at an advantage and an, an advantage simply by breathing to the rest of the world, like automatically. You're, you're not even fighting anymore. You are fighting like you already have the victory. You're fighting from victory. You're not even fighting for victory. It, it's already achieved. And I think that that's amazing. You might be like, oh, well, that's very nice. But the reality is I've got to work. Absolutely, you've got to work. You're not there to just sit around and be lazy. Work was invented before the fall. It's not like the fall happened and, oh, you know, now we got to start working. No, you, you're now back to the state of being blessed in absolutely everything you put your hand to. So you actually have to be careful what you put your hand to because it's going to succeed so much, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You should expect success in all that you do. So next point I want to make here, and this is, again, for people that are listening to this, I want you to write down these scriptures. I want you to meditate on them, and I want you to look at them from a bird's eye view, the narrative of these men of God that saw radical change in their life, just like Paul did, just like Abraham did, just like Moses did, whom we've quoted, and see how the power of God has changed their life, how It says in James chapter 5 that the prayer of faith has great power as it is working. So as your faith is working, great power is channeled through that faith. And as you build your faith by the hearing and hearing of the word, then that faith is going to create great power that will generate as you walk in it, as you work in it. And as those things begin to come to pass in your life, it will only increase and heaps of heaps and heaps of increase will begin to hit your life. So go yeah. to Acts, anyone listening now, go to Acts 28 with me. I also, just you- quickly, sorry, Bree, Sammy, Fly, uh, if you guys have any comments and, or questions along the way, shoot them in. We, we love to hear what you guys want to say, um, and we'd love to address where you're at as well. So just yes. so that's out there. Yep, any questions, um, if you're listening to this after it's live, obviously you can ask a question, but if you're on this now, you can ask a question, shoot in a, an audio message. We'd love to answer it. But in the meantime, let's go to Acts chapter 28. I want to give you another example of what happens when you flow in the power of God. And now I want you to get this because the story that we're about to read, the context behind it is Paul is a slave right now. Paul is a prisoner. He gets put into chains, put on a ship and gets sent out to sea to go basically be a slave. He's got nothing. He's poor. He's got nothing. He's in chains. It looks like he has no hope. But look at what happens simply because he has a faith that rests on the power of God. Acts chapter 28, starting in verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, 
they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly when we left or when we were about to sail. They put on board whatever we needed. Now, when Paul was on the island, it seemed like there was no hope. They shipwrecked. They had nothing. The islanders took them in, and Paul was bitten by a venomous snake. By a venomous snake, and Paul was supposed to die. They were waiting for him to fall down dead. But if you rem remember in Mark chapter sixteen, the Bible says they would even great drink great deadly poisons, and the poison would not harm them. That they'll talk in other tongues, they'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And then you see that happen. Paul doesn't die. He's not harmed by the poison because of the power of the Spirit of God living in him. And then he goes and heals the king of the island and then heals the rest of the island. And they showered Paul with gifts. And he had everything that the whole crew needed when they left the island. You can go into any town in any circumstance and have nothing but the power of God and the word of God on your side. And you can expect to leave that area completely blessed it might seem like your circumstances are null that there's nothing going for you but all you need is to reside and build your faith on the power of god and you will watch god take your circumstance flip it on its head and you'll walk out blessed just like the israelites did in egypt it says that when they left egypt they left with all the gold all the silver, all their livestock, and none of right. people among them. They all left slavery blessed. Hmm. What a word. Oh, my goodness. Dude, that's, he became the richest person on the island, actually, even richer than the, the, um, the king, if you think about it. That's right. Honored greatly with many honors. Yeah, so then <clears throat> I want to talk about kind of a little bit uh, about the devil because when we're not denying the fact that, yes, there are issues in life, there are struggles, there are things like different trials, that, that we're not denying that. That's a fact. Jesus said you're going to have issues in this life, but behold, I have overcome them. And if we are in Jesus, then we too have overcome them. So we're not denying these issues by just trying to think differently. But it's it's actually how do you how do you address these and it's it's again how you understand yourself and I think what you said about the arc was really good because it plays into this. Um, can I give another point? Is that right? Oh yeah, go for it. All right, so check it out in uh, James four. It says verse seven: Submit yourselves. So this is your job. You submit yourself, therefore, to God resist the devil that's your job and he the devil will flee from you 
The devil's terrified of you. He's not terrified of God. He's already tried to tempt Jesus. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, and the devil left. So you've got to understand this. When you draw near to God, which is the next verse, he will draw near to you. When you cleanse your hands and purify your hearts and keep, get a single mind, which is to fixate on the word of God, everything that you do prospers because you start doing the word of God and the devil can't combat that. That's why he gets the heck out of your life. And when you see an area that's not in line with God's word, you command the devil off and you bring it in line. You have authority and responsibility to do that. And Satan has to flee. You know, it says we're going to be surprised at the like weak and uselessness of the kind of character the devil really is when he is revealed. We're going to stand and we're going to say, wow, is this he who's, you know, completely deceived all the nations of the world? It, it, it'll seem impossible because deceptions is thing. So if you knew, know the truth and you speak the truth and you remain in the truth, he will flee. It's the darkness flees from the light. You shine and the devil's out of there. The darkness doesn't stick around and, and fight hard. It flees from there. So you don't even have to worry about it. The devil's going out of there. When you submit to God, you resist the devil by knowing the truth because he comes at you with lies. He flees from you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Very good. Yeah, and I want to piggyback off of what Steve said. Do we deny challenges will come? Absolutely not. But we laugh in the face of adversity. We laugh at challenges that comes. In Psalm chapter 2, it says God sits on his throne and laughs at the plans of the enemy. And in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're at peace with God. You don't need to worry if God still loves you, if God is on your side, if God has your back. You are at peace with God. And once you receive that revelation, then you can press forward to verse 2 where it says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us so he says we laugh in the face of suffering we take joy we rejoice in suffering because it produces powerful endurance which produces powerful hope which produces powerful faith which will move mountains when the time has come and our faith is put to the test yeah that's right you know i think this is kind of in that line but I think a lot of people fall off the bandwagon or start blaming God for the bad things in their life because they don't have a reverence for God. For God. Now, I've spent time in the charismatic church, in, in different churches that operate in that full denomination. And what I've noticed is more often than not, there isn't actually a very strong reverence for God. There's a massive revelation on like the love of God. You know, this is all chill. Everyone looks pretty much like they're at a nightclub. And that's okay. But the problem is when there's not a reverence for God, you're not expecting the power of God to shake your life and, and to, to move through it. You're kind of, you're, you're fitting in. You're showing how, you know, you got it. And that the reality is when you're empowered by God, 
you don't have to show it. It happens. People know. They feel it. And that's what I, I've grown a huge respect for, like Pentecostals, because they, they're in awe of the living God. I think that's why the spirit moves so strong, because he's on it amongst them. And so we've got to get back to that. You've got to come to a position of, Lord, I honor you. Your word is strong. Your word is sure. Your word is truth. And I'm not moving off of it. You, you're actually basing your faith on the word and on the power of God because you honor the Lord. And when that happens, there's, there's breakthrough in every way, shape and form. That, that fear of loss in your life vanishes because it's a lie. You can't lose anymore. It's beautiful. That's absolutely right. And I want to finish on, uh, we'll hit these last three things and then we'll finish up. I want to give people these last three points to guarantee that you never lose in life. And number one is giving. Number two is praying. And number three is fasting. And I'm going to read from Matthew chapter six here and give you a beautiful picture of what the Lord says, because he's a rewarder. And for those of you that remember in Hebrews 11, verse six, it says anyone that would draw near to God must believe he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You must believe first that he is the God of the Bible. He is God, Jehovah, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And when you remember and acknowledge the fact that God's a rewarder, then these three aspects become real in your life. So in Matthew 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your unright or your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Number two, the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in the secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Praise the Lord. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for their father knows what you need. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, and then it goes through the Father's prayer or the the uh, the Lord's prayer. Now I want to hit on this point specifically. I mean, obviously, number one, make sure you're a giver. Be a radical giver. When you're a radical giver, it will be impossible for you to fail in life. The floodgates That's of heaven right. will be open in your life. But number two, when you're a radical prayer, there's I'll just we'll be open and transparent right now. There's a specific place that I know of that's uh, dedicated to prayer, that they pray. But I've listened to most of the people in these prayer houses, and they don't even know how to pray. They don't know how to pray with fervency. Most people don't know how to pray heaven into earth. They don't know how to pray with faith. And that's why he says here, don't pray with empty words. Oh, Lord Jesus, God, Father, Lord, Lord God, 
Hallelujah, Jesus, Father, Lord Jesus, God. Thank you, God, that you're so good to us, God, that, that you gave us your word, God, Lord Jesus, God. And thank you, God, that, that you clothed the flowers, God, and that thank you, God, that you've, you've given us your son, Lord God, Jesus, God. And it's like just a waste of breath. It's pitiful. It's disgusting. Don't pray like that. Pray like somebody that knows that God is listening. Pray as if he's standing in the room. Father, I thank you that you gave me your son. And because of the sacrifice of your son, you said I can ask for anything. And if I believe I've received it, it's mine. So, Father, I ask that you would anoint me now to go shake a nation. Pray like you expect him to do what comes out of your mouth. And then you'll see answered prayers in your life. What a good word. Do you want to hit on fasting a little bit in Matthew 6? Or should I read it? Oh, you go for it. I'd say just link it to Isaiah 58. I know until yes. I read that, things didn't work. So I'll read this and then you can, you can close this out. Matthew 6, verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be seen may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And if you see a very common theme here, he says, give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret. And when you do these things, the one who sees in secret, who is your Father, he will reward you. And like Stephen said, you can read Isaiah 58. It talks all about true prayer and true fasting. And make sure that you do these things appropriately. Do them the way that the Bible teaches you how to do it. The Bible is a book of instruction. It has equations in it. Do this, and this will be the result. Do this, and this is what you'll get. Do this, and this is what will happen. It's a book of instruction. One plus one equals two. If you meditate on it and apply it to your life, and just like Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 7, he said, a man that builds his life on my words is a wise man who builds his life upon the rock. Build your life on these principles, on the word of God, and you will have a life that is not shaken when the winds blow and when the waves crash. Amen. Yeah. I think first you understand that fasting in the Instagram or I'm going to fast cereal for four days or something like no that's not fasting you actually like it's not food or it's not water for a day or it's like an extended period extended fast that you're doing like a Daniel fast or it is like no food no water dry fast boom, for a 24 hour period there's specific fasts for specific results that you need to to know about and so Anyway, we can, we can do that another day when we actually do it, like maybe a teaching on fasting or something. But when you fast, you've got to pray with it. If you don't pray whilst you're fasting, it's literally like having dynamite and not lighting it. There's, there's no effect. It just, it's not how it happens. When you fast, you are destroying the flesh. And when you pray, you build up the spirit. So the best way to do this is destroy the flesh and build the spirit at the same time. And that's how you tear through heaven. It's, it's amazing. And so check it out. You're in a fast. This is what um, it says in Isaiah 58, which is all about true fasting. You should read the whole chapter. But this is what it says in verse 6. Is this not the fast that I, that's God, choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, 
to let oppression go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and the homeless uh, and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, just like Tannen was saying, one and two, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of God shall be your rear God. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Literally talking about prayer. Then you shall cry and he will say, I am here. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the uh, pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. So, a couple things. Firstly, you have to understand Fasting helps with regard to actually uh, purification of yourself because it destroys the flesh. But if you realize there's things in your life that are, that are plaguing you, you're always failing. Maybe you're confused. Maybe there, there's no relationship that's actually worked out in your life. Business deals just flopping all over the place. It, there's just some kind of whack stuff going on in your life. Um, you're just sensing a, a demonic oppression in your life. Whatever it looks like, that's not normal. You need to come before God, start a fast and say, Lord, I thank you. I destroy my flesh now. I come back in agreement with you. I repent. And, and you come before the Lord in a fast. It says he, that a fast is brilliant for undoing the strap of the yoke and letting the oppressed go free. There's freedom involved in a fast. Another point, as you fast, you need to stop caring about yourself alone yes if you realize things about yourself those are good those are going to get sorted out so you can actually start thanking god that they're sorted out but the fast as a whole he's saying start feeding the hungry start clothing the naked start caring for the poor start praying for those who are afflicted start looking to the needs of others and as you do that your righteousness springs forth then prayer gets answered then your uh, your breakthrough happens. The light shines in the darkness. That's what he's saying. And it's in line with scripture. Ephesians 6 verse 8 says, any good that you make happen for anyone, the Lord makes happen for you. So imagine if you're now doing that in a state where your flesh is weak, of course the power of God's going to break, break through into your life and you will see results quickly. That's why it says, then your healing will speed up, uh, sorry, will spring up speedily. It makes a point to say this is how you can actually speed up the action of God in your life. I mean, what a bonus. It's incredible. So those are just a couple points on the on the topic of fasting. But uh, yeah, anything else to add to that, Taylor? Nope, those, perfect. You hit everything that needs to be hit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you want to uh, you want to pray us out? With pleasure. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Lord, that I never have to lose again. That every single person who's listened today never has to lose again because of the sacrifice of your son, the blood shed, the power of Satan was broken, and we don't fight for the victory, we fight from the victory in accordance with your word in 1 John 5, verse 1 to 5. I praise you, Lord, for the victory. 
thank you, Father, that the power of the enemy was stripped from him, that I've been transferred out of the domain of darkness and everyone who's a believer under the sound of my voice transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of your beloved son. Lord, we're seated at the right hand of God in heaven above every rule, authority, dominion and power. And right now, Lord, if there's any scheme of the enemy that's causing an issue in anybody's life, anyone that's struggling from unnecessary failure, I bind that curse in the name of Jesus and I send it back to the pit of hell. Any demonic oppression, I break you now by the power of Jesus. You have no place. You're free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, so much for full freedom, for life to the full, life abundant, Lord, in every way, shape, and form. We receive it now. We bless you for it. Lord, also, if there's anyone who needs wisdom in any situation, your word says we're to ask for wisdom, and we receive it by faith now because you give it generously, as you say in James. So thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Thank you for your spirit that guides us in all the things that are to come, that you don't just leave us here without any help. You've given us an advocate. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us, upon us, and around us. We love you. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that has an ear to hear and a heart to receive. Bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Anyone listening to me right now? If you've been impacted by this message or any of our other messages and your faith is stirred, right now is the time to sow a financial seed. The Bible says that more blessed is it to give than to receive, because when you give, men give back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Men will give liberally, freely into your bosom that when you become a radical giver, like we just preached on today, when you become a radical giver, God brings breakthrough and he rewards you in the open when you give in the secret. So if you've been looking for breakthrough today, financially is a way that you can see breakthrough by worshiping God with your finances and sowing into ministries, sowing into God's kingdom with your money. And so right now we're going to give you an opportunity both personally for myself and personally for Stephen. If you've been impacted by our ministries, by our podcast, by our messages that we've given to you, if it stirred your faith and you know it's changed your life, this is how you can both give to us and give to the kingdom of God. You can give financially to myself and my ministry, Revival Way, at Venmo, which is Taylan, T-A-Y-L-A-N, dash or hyphen Michael, my middle name, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. That's my Venmo cash app is dollar sign Taylan Michael. And PayPal is at evangelisttaylan at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, revivalway.com, and you can partner with me there financially. And I encourage you, put a demand on your seed. When you give a financial seed, make sure you say, God, I'm planting this in good soil to see a good harvest on it in Jesus' name. And Stephen, you can go ahead and give your information as well, please. Yeah, my cash app is dollar sign Stephen Scott Marks. So it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N Scott S-C-O-T-T-M-A-R-Q-U-E-S. And it's capital S, capital S, capital M. So and then for, for Venmo is uh, Stephen Scott Marks. So same thing. And then PayPal is at Stephen Scott Marks uh, as well. If, if you need to see it, go to uh, my podcast on pretty much any platform which is Stephen Mark's Spirit and Truth, and it should be there for advancing the gospel. You'll be able to find it if you need clarification for that seed. But yeah, thank you ahead of time.
Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, if you guys have been impacted by this message too, whether on a podcast platform or this stereo platform, go ahead and share it with a friend. Share this with somebody that needs to know how to never lose in life. That's right. Sure. It'll change a life. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers.